Hey everybody, welcome to Generation Church Podcast, a podcast about everyday people who are committed to expanding God's family because of Jesus for generations to come. My name's John, I'm the engagement pastor here, and I'm sitting here with Kyle, lead pastor, I guess, and everything. I'm staring at a green plant this week, John. I know, Hannah's been here for, gosh, two weeks, three, almost going on three weeks now, and so yeah, let's just say the apartment's changing a little bit. Changing. We actually have two life plants in here. Yes. Uh, she has one of her globes. We have Magnolia magazines around here. For those of you HGTV fans out there, you may or may not know Fixer Upper, uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines. Let's just say that's on the TV, on our magazines, and inspiring a lot of stuff that happens They're totally here. sponsoring this podcast. I mean, clearly. A- exactly, right? You know, yep. we just got to toss that out there. They are not sponsoring this podcast, but that was not... That was a shameless plug for <laughs> Chipping Joanna Gaines and the Magnolia place. But yes, I'm staring at a green plant. So it's it's brightening up in here. We're we're in a good place this week. So a little bit of life in here and so some extra oxygen to help us talk well since these yeah. live plants are helping us out. Gosh. Well, it's actually <laughs> funny that you end your sermon with a quote about a live plant. We'll get to that later. Don't worry, people. See, I'm going to encourage them to listen and get all the way to the end. got to get away. Yeah, what did I say at the very end? And no, you're not allowed to skip it, even though it's a podcast. Yeah, please. Please don't skip ahead. <laughs> but Kyle, for real, <laughs> we're going to kind of chat a little bit about your sermon this past weekend. We finally got to the end of our known series. Kyle, are you, are you a little sad, a little disappointed, excited? I'm actually glad to wrap up this series. It's been a cool series to journey through as we've talked about faulty maps and following Jesus well, because as we've come to the end of this, while it's crazy it's taken this long to simply go through Colossians 1 and into Colossians 2, it's been really good to just take a moment, pause, look at some verses and some very specific applications as our church community has started weekly gatherings. Yeah. And I'm excited for some series coming up. So yeah. we're we're going to look at one of our values, give over get, which I'm really excited to do in connection to our to our vision mm-hmm. and what give over get looks like in all aspects and all areas of our life so to parse that out really. Mm-hmm. And then also then we'll, well after that we'll jump back into Colossians 2. And that's mm-hmm. that's what I'm really excited for is because as we look at the substance of the gospel and how it applies to every area of our life. We're going to look at some popular kind of false teachings of today Mm. and see that some of these false teachings that are out there today that maybe even sound right aren't really all that new. Mm. And some of what Paul is going to share in Colossians 2, we're going to make the leap through the centuries to see how some of what he is preaching and teaching and actually, in this sense, writing a letter against and prepping this these Colossian believers for just is actually a timely word for us today. So is this next uh, Colossians series through Colossians 2, is it actually Colossians 2 or does it go into Colossians 3 like you did this past weekend? It is just Colossians 2. So, so now, from now on, we will stick <laughs> chapter by chapter. But I mean, the reason we did that for those maybe who listened to the sermon and for those who didn't, let me give you why we did that. Our text for this week was Colossians 2, 1 through 5, and we jumped into that because what Paul says here at the beginning of Colossians 
is really his pastoral capstone. The mm-hmm. end of Colossians 1 is really his theological capstone, yeah. driving to the point that he's been making all the way through Colossians 1. But what he does is he has to kind of address these felt needs in the Colossian community, even though he's at a distance, and really prep them for what he's going to say next. And as I said in the sermon, I said, this epistle is a vaccination against heresy, not an antibiotic for those already afflicted. So what Paul has done is he's given them theological foundation, just a grounding, Mm. so that he can then use that to say, see how this message differs from maybe some of the cultural messages that are uh, just anti-gospel that maybe even sound right, sound good, but but aren't compatible with the gospel mm. at all. And the gospel being Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and how God is at work in the world and proves that in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. That's that's how we went into Colossians too. Yeah, I, so. I love it because it it is a good reminder. Uh, maybe for some of those people who've never really experimented with this, maybe never read into some of this, but the Bible wasn't written in English with the numbers before the sentences like we know of it today. And that's just always a good reminder that as we read through Scripture, that we're um, not to be necessarily restricted by the number verses, the number chapter, the little heading that comes sometimes yeah. that blocks up like five verses. Uh, not necessarily to be blocked off by that. It's there as a as a help, as kind of a guide, but not to be restricted by that necessarily. And so I thought it was interesting and cool that you did look into Colossians 2 and at the beginning of that and how it more or less wraps up and acts as the transition piece of kind of tying Colossians 1 with a bow, but also setting the stage for Colossians 2 and the rest of it that'll come in the next series, uh, Colossians 2. And so I'm, I'm excited for that. I think it's going to be really cool. Um, there was something at the beginning of your sermon that I, I want you to flush out a little bit more. You kind of, I mean, you started off really quick with a challenge, which is kind of funny. Yes. Uh, you started off talking about this church called Laodicea, and you talk about how they're mentioned later in the Bible in Revelation 3, then you just said, here, go read it for yourself, people, and just kind of lob that one out there. Yeah. Kyle, um, yeah, just kind of give us a bigger picture. Why Why throw this one out there? What's mm-hmm. the importance of this church? Like, why are they relevant to this text? Well, I think it's really helpful to know that this is a church in the same region as this letter. And so again, this letter would have been circulated to other churches in the area. So this letter would have made its way to Laodicea. And the reason I threw the Revelation one out there is one, just some of my pastoral and just preaching conviction is that the people need to hear the word of God, not just on Sunday morning through Mm -hmm. me, but really to open up the Bible and read, read it for themselves. And so I thought this might be a good way to even introduce the first couple chapters of the book of Revelation, which some people stay away (laughs) from. But just to say, hey, here is a church that is mentioned in this passage that actually was addressed later on in Mm. the biblical story in the last book of the Bible. And we can see what John, who is the writer of Revelation, actually says to this church And it's just interesting to notice what he says to them 
in particular, and again, if you're familiar with your Bible, you know Laodicea was known for being lukewarm. And if you weren't familiar about that, what that basically means is that they were a church that was once very much on fire for Jesus, but then has shrunk back into kind of this apathetic, Mm. uh, nominal, just kind of going through the motions where you don't really see them advancing and and living purposefully, Mm. but you don't necessarily see them wholesale rejecting Jesus. So there's this embrace. stagnant. Yes, they are very much stagnant. And what I would say is this, what it, what it is, is very similar to what Paul is even writing to the Colossians and what we've been mm-hmm. talking about over through Colossians 1 is they have this knowledge about Jesus, but there's no real application. There, there's no knowledge applied. Mm-hmm. There's, no, there's no follow through. There's an awareness and there's an acceptance, but there's no action. Yeah. And so I challenged really... Our, our church to say, go look at this church because here's what happens when you have the knowledge of Jesus, when you are aware of it, when you even even absorb it to some extent and go like, yeah, I believe Jesus is, is the Savior, mm-hmm. but but then fail to, to act on it in a prolonged sense, yeah. in, a, in a perseverance sense. So it's not just something that happens initially and then it's like sweet i'm good kind of wipe my hands of it (laughs) and then move on it's like no you have to continue to grow you have to continue to to apply and what i find so fascinating is just to read verse 14 and 15 uh that john writes in revelation 3 says write this to the angel of the church in the odyssey thus says the amen the faithful and true witness the originator of god's creation it's interesting he mentioned some of those Mm -hmm. themes because those are some of the themes mentioned in Colossians 1, creation, creator. I know I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold, cold nor hot. I wish that you were hot, cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich and I've become wealthy, needing nothing. And you don't realize that you are rich, old, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And it just... John goes on and he's like, I want to love, I, I rebuke and discipline, you know, be zealous and repentant, you know, see, stand at the door. If anyone hears my voice, open it. You know, basically he's saying like re- respond, like do something, show your status in relationship to Jesus. So either like just walk away if you're not actually going to live this out or actually start. Jump st- all in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jump, jump all in. And Again, what Paul writes the, to these Colossians is he's been saying, remember who Jesus is. You've been faithful. Yeah. Have this theological grounding so that you can live in response and begin to mm. faithfully live over the long haul. So it's not about what you've, you've done before, but it's, it's you've done good, but continue to do this. Continue to stay connected and be reminded of the mystery made known. Mm. Uh, I like that illustration that you used, and we didn't go back to the minor prophets to use uh, another biblical illustration. <laughs> it's okay. We might do that next week. Um, <laughs> yes, John and his minor prophets. I know, right? It's okay. I'll so if you. this is the first episode you've listened to, you'll have to go back and check out some of the earlier ones we've talked about. I think Obadiah and Amos. Has there been another one that we've talked about? Maybe Jonah? Uh, Haggai, I think. Haggai. We've talked about a couple. Yes. It's been fun. I like it. 
But no, I love this concept in what you're talking about of the lukewarm illustration that you're giving here. Because what you see, and you talked about this this weekend, is that Paul's basically uh, given them the observation, he's made the observation that now that we have this knowledge, what does it look like to apply it and put it into action? And you had a, you had a couple really good quotes this weekend uh, that related directly to this. And you said, it's worth noting what an inability to discern false truths and apply the wisdom of Jesus produces. It produces a muddy version of Christianity. That the Colossians, their inability to keep growing, applying and discerning has resulted in paralysis. Like they're not necessarily there, but if they continue down the track of not discerning the false truths that they're hearing and not applying the knowledge in which they're taking and living out true wisdom, that there's this paralysis in what you talk about. And Kyle, what is, what is almost this risk, uh, this muddy Christianity you talk about when we have this knowledge, but it doesn't result into wisdom, action, and um, faithfulness that leads out from us? People don't see an accurate representation of Jesus, and that's why I use, I use the term muddy. So what they see is a false picture of what Christianity is all about. Mm. And if just just pause for a moment and think about what is shown and communicated in our world today. What mm. are the pictures of Christianity that are out there? You know, and some some may be very positive, some may be negative, and without just throwing out some stereotypes or some generalizations, chances are if you were to ask just some people in your life, hey, what do you think the main message of Christianity is? I just wonder what type of response you would get. Would you get a response that is anything close to the actual main message of Christianity? Mm. Would you get a message or a response about the main message of Christianity that is that is all love and no justice? Would you Would you get a message that is all about you know, make America great again? Would you get a message that is all about uh, just how, how we're supposed to tolerate? Would you, would you get a message about how this, this world is, is evil and we need to keep our distance? Would you, would you get a message that is about, uh, well, Jesus is just a really great teacher or, you know, I'm supposed to just show up to church? And it's like, it would be just interesting if you throw that question, let me say it again, what is the main message of Christianity? Mm-hmm. If you were to ask people, not, would you get anything back that says the main message of Christianity is about God sends his son to walk among this earth, to reconcile us back to him, mm-hmm. that through his life, death, and resurrection, that we have the hope of eternity, that God is making all things new, and that we can have a right relationship with God, and that drives action here now. So would you, would you have anything about humanity's rescue from sin and brokenness and an ongoing renewal in this present age while awaiting a hope of all things eventually being restored? Mm-hmm. And so, again, that, that maybe was a longer answer than, yeah. than even just gen, to that simple question. But essentially, would you, would you come back to anything that resembles the main message of Christianity is Jesus, mm. who he is, what he's done, and why he's important. Yeah, I, I like you articulating it. And as you're doing that, 
my mind keeps going back to a um a minor a, prophet? No, not to a minor <laughs> prophet this time. Actually, this, this one's going to be in the Gospels, actually. But I'm thinking back, we were um, doing an online training today. Mm. And we went through John 6, 44 uh, through 45. And we talked about it just a second ago. It says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets. And they will all be taught by God. Mm. Everyone who has listened to and learn from the Father comes to me. And we talked about this a second ago, because one of the things that we really kind of see in this is that we can have a confidence, and when we go out into the world, and we have a conversation with people, and kind of what you're talking about, being willing to have those conversations of faith, and talk about who God is, and point to what Jesus is doing in your life, that we can have a confidence that God's going to uh, work and show, like, God is the one who brings salvation. We don't bring it through our own abilities, but there is still this level of responsibility on our side that if we're just being honest, if we're not engaging with God, uh, if there's no um, us personally um, building that relationship with him, how can we share anything about him? Mm. It's almost this kind of what Paul's hitting at here is you have this, for them it sounds more like you have this knowledge Dude, share that knowledge. Mm. Share what you know about God. But there's also this um, kind of caveat there for some of our audiences, maybe. Um, if you don't have that knowledge yet, uh, will you pursue it? Maybe mm. there's something about the Christian story that you don't necessarily understand. Or maybe you're brand new to this whole Jesus thing, and there's this question you have. Feel free to throw out those questions and seek that out. So when we talk about what does it look like to put Jesus' priorities and characteristics and live that out in your life and being willing to have those conversations of this is why I do this, if you struggle with answering that this is why I do this, pursue that. Ask someone that question. Feel free to ask me and Kyle, why do you guys do what you do? Yep. Say what you say, interact that way, and listen, and feel free to have those conversations because that's what Paul's really hitting at is you have this knowledge are you going to be able to share it and not just kind of be lukewarm and stagnant of just saying, I'll kind of keep it to myself, kind of do my thing, but really to take that next step and to be hot and on fire and going out and like you were saying, being willing to share, engage in conversations and ask questions that will promote some of that conversation. Absolutely. I, I, I think that is, that is very, is very well said. And where we're at in this series as we've capstoned it off is you have to have this knowledge of Jesus. You have to be pursuing that knowledge of Jesus. And in this passage in Colossians 2, it's called treasure. It is worth something. Mm-hmm. Like the, the fact that you have access to that is, is incredible. It is, is worth treasuring. Mm-hmm. And just to echo another challenge that I threw out in the sermon is that I said, go read Isaiah 33, verse 5 and 6. And you'll, you'll see there once again that, that the knowledge of the Lord is treasure. And it's treasure not just when you receive it and you access it, mm. but when you begin to then apply it and use it in your day-to-day life. Yeah. Because the results of that, will you will experience renewal, You'll experience blessing, and this isn't just to say like it's all going to be good. But it, in your innermost being, there will ultimately be a resolve 
and an ability to cope with the brokenness and sin in our in our world. Mm. So I don't want you to think like all the blessing is is material and external. Sometimes it's just purely an inner fortitude that when you are rooted and grounded, you can't be tossed around, you can't be blown over, you can't mm. you can't be toppled. And again, just to use another plan analogy, since I'm just looking about it, like that's why deep roots are so important yeah. because a shallow root system, when a strong wind comes by, you're mm. going to topple over and you're going to be uprooted and essentially everything's going to become exposed. And when your roots are exposed, you wither up and die. Yeah. And so you need to have deep a deep root system. And what that means is there's a connection to God that is sustaining and life-filling so that, that your public life... Mm proves that you have deep roots because what happens is even if you externally like you you make a good show like again you continuing the plant analogy you bear a lot of fruit but without deep roots that will uproot you Mm. the weight of your public life and what trying to keep up appearances trying to trying to maybe put off that perfect presentation always trying to achieve or feel like you've got to chase after the approval of other, just just even in a public sense. And sometimes like when people clap or cheer, you're doing a good job. It just, you know, it's like, again, just in a very public way of when people just appreciate you, what happens is just the weight of that sometimes without a deep root system and a connection to God will we'll topple you over because you'll, you'll be prideful. Maybe, maybe you'll be selfish and, and it can lead to, to sin. And so, what this comes back to is the mystery made known in Jesus is a treasure. Mm-hmm. It's worth being rooted and connected to so that as you apply it, that the lifestyle of application and connection just can be sustainable. Mm. Yeah, you keep talking about this concept, this inner resolve, this kind of core um, part of us, and you had this, you had a good quote, and you had a couple of them. You had another one, and it said something along the lines of, Paul knows that our inner resolve must be able to cope and have resilience when the social pressures of our world, and sometimes physical ones, come. And when they do, they're going to come because of us applying the way of Jesus in every aspect of our life. Kyle, we've been going through this series for a while now, uh, we've had a lot of conversations. What would you almost encourage someone as they begin to apply the way of Jesus to every, every day in their life and every aspect um, when they go out into the world and there are uh, social pressures? Um, not necessarily, we don't necessarily see as much physical ones in our mm-hmm. context, but there are social pressures in our world. What is your, what do you think Paul has encouraged through this Colossians 1 series? Or maybe even what do you want to encourage people um, to grow in that inner resolve. Man, just as I, as I sit here and think, I'm thinking, and as I've thought about the ability to cope, my response and just my mind goes to, we all have, we all have certain triggers. We have things, whether it's in our background or in our life, that, that trigger a certain level of response. And we need an inner resolve and a resilience that's, that's rooted in who Jesus is and what he has done so that when we're triggered, when something happens, 
that our reaction and our response has a has is 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 connected to the fruit of the spirit is connected to that character and priorities of Jesus. So so our response portrays a Christ-like character and maybe even helps us make a decision in the moment of about what Jesus would decide in terms of priorities of okay, what should I do in this moment? Because what happens is when we're not connected to Jesus in that way, when we're triggered, we will default to what we would selfishly want, basically maybe maybe a, a past history of of poor behavior or just a level of anxiety or mm-hmm. a level of frustration or a reaction that is that bears no resemblance to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, or self-control. And so when we begin to apply Jesus' teaching to our lives, we're going to have to be prepared to engage with things that in our past have triggered us, have have even brought something out of us that that maybe the reaction before hasn't hasn't been very Christ-like, but as we begin to apply this, we will see a difference in our response to things that that trigger us. And so um, maybe it's you're having trouble communicating with with your spouse. And so when there's a day that goes by and it seems like you guys can't get on the same page about like what you're going to do for dinner, well, instead of being <laughs> frustrated and passive aggressive, uh, maybe in, in response to that, as, as you feel those emotions build up, uh, you remember that that you are loved and that God has extended grace to you. And so rather than, you know, slam down a dish or, sl- you know, slam the refrigerator, shut that you're able to say take a deep breath and, and re-engage um and it, and it just just in a healthy way and so what happens is when we apply who jesus is and what he's done for us through his life death and resurrection we will be put in situations that are difficult that are messy and that maybe even we're uncomfortable with maybe it's a situation we've been hurt before maybe it's a situation that just we're not sure if we want to go there. But if we're willing to go there and we're willing to take that step, our, our ability to process and be healthy in the midst of this situation will come through our connection with Jesus. Mm. And, and let, me, let me say this a different way. You know, a, a rubber band loses its usefulness if it's unwilling to be stretched. Mm-hmm. When we live for Jesus, we are going to be stretched. Yeah. But here's the thing, is the ability to be stretched and not snapped is the difference between doing being stretched in connection to Jesus and being stretched basically not in connection to Jesus. Mm. And so as we begin to live our lives and begin to apply the life and teachings of Jesus to our life, we're going to be stretched, but we will not be broken we will, we will be able to be stretched and hold our form, hold our function, be who Jesus wants us to be through, through again, through, through our connection with him. And ultimately, like, we will snap, uh, to continue that rubber band metaphor, when our, when our, when our innermost being is not, ultimate, is not really connected to yeah. Jesus. 
which is why you have to continue to engage with him. Mm-hmm. It, it, you can't live off of you know one meal a week. So go back to the two points of application I said earlier in the sermon. Read Revelation. Read Isaiah. Mm-hmm. One of the primary ways in which people get connected to Jesus and can have that ability to, to learn and have that inner resolve is through reading God's Word. And I mean, it's cool because we even have someone in our church who does a Facebook Bible study, who every day puts uh, mm-hmm. a scripture online. Yeah. And so maybe you're like, man, I struggle to pull out my Bible. I even struggle to look, use my Bible on my phone. Yeah. But you find yourself on Facebook every single day. Send us a message, and we will get you added to that Facebook group, and you will yeah. see a thousand days straight, <laughs> which is absolutely incredible, a thousand days plus. There's, there's a guy who, who posts out, you know, hey, we're going to read through 1 Samuel. And he posts a chapter with a few questions every single day. Cool. And so that's one of the things that you have to be connected in to, to the Word. Mm. And the Word embodied was Jesus. Yeah. And so when we're able to engage with the Word of God, we're able to repoint ourselves to Jesus so that as we live, work, and play, we can have an inner resolve and cope with the circumstances of our life, so when we're stretched, we're not snapped. Yeah, and this whole concept that you've been talking about, and you basically kind of got to this point in which you were talking about, you said, if we don't re-engage with the vision of the church, with what the vision is, then you tied it right back. You said, we're going to drift into this lukewarmness that we saw in Laodicea. Mm. We're going to become this kind of stagnant Christian if we're not engaging with Jesus. Jesus is constantly moving. And he wants us to continue to move along with him, not just be stagnant and standing still, kind of observing what he's doing and saying, yeah, I'm a part of it, but I'm just kind of standing here. No, he wants us to continue to move with him and be a part of the vision that is in a constant movement. Mm -hmm. And so there is that level of constant engagement at which he calls us to. And I like it because for uh, a decent chunk of your your conversation there, um, it was more of this kind of in individual resolve between me and Jesus and our relationship and um, how our relationship with Jesus, uh, engaging with him, can give us some strength in that. But there is also this level of community. Mm. When we re-engage with our community, there is a strength that will grow as we are both um, with those you engage with in the community. If you are all uh, pursuing and moving towards Jesus— there's going to be a really strong resolve there. And I like it because you gave this encouragement at the end of your message. It was plain and simple. You just told people, just call or message somebody in the church this week. No caveat to it, just nothing. Just give them a call or a message. Mm-hmm. Now, Kyle, l- let me ask you, was this an application from what Paul was saying, or is this a little bit more of your bias? Or like, uh, what, mm. ma- what brought you to this application point? Yeah, I think... I think twofold, and kind of going back to what I was saying a moment ago, we're better together, we're stronger together, mm. the, the Holy Spirit of God indwells not just in one believer, but in all believers, and so when we can exist in community, and we can know each other's stories, we yeah. can lean, each up, lean on each other yeah. in tough times, but in order to lean on each other in tough times, we have to know each other. Yeah, We have been doing weekly gatherings for five months now. It's, mm-hmm. all, I mean, coming up on, on month five, as, yeah. as crazy as 
as crazy as that is, just how, how God has worked and moved and how we've, we've seen that. And we've got people right now who, who regularly connect with us uh, just, just in the church. And we may see each other, you know, cross the, the service or even interact a little bit, yeah. but, but we don't necessarily maybe not know each other. Yeah. And so what Paul has done in, this, in these couple verses, as I mentioned at the beginning, this is kind of his pastoral capstone. Mm-hmm. To, to, to chapter one. What he is concerned is that they're not deceived by these, by these false teachings. He, yeah. he wants them to understand and be rooted in Jesus. And what I did is I, I took some of that motif and I said, okay, Paul's, gonna, Paul's leveling out here a pastoral concern for his church and where they're at. Yeah. I took some liberty and said, here, <laughs> here, here's a pastoral concern that I have for our church and what I think is the best point at the time and place in which we're in and mm. to, and what we can do about it. Yeah. And so again, my concern is that as we've got really good, maybe even about doing our setup and teardown, we've, we've refined systems, like we're, we're mm. building the ministry teams that as we've got caught up in some of these systems, that just some of the, the relational connection to both those who are newer to generations and those who have been around for a long time, and maybe even have a history with each other prior to generations. Yeah. One of the best things we can do is, as God forms this new church community, is I want to make sure we're really interlocking, that, yeah. that, 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 both, that both sides of that are really coming together. And that's why I mentioned is Paul's pastoral concern is this, is he's writing to a church that has Jews and Gentiles. Paul has said that this mystery is made known so that this new family can be formed, so that they're not deceived. And what I wanted to make sure is in our church community that we're not deceived and, oh, yes, we're this, we're this awesome new church and we've got it all together and we're truly functioning as one. But, yeah. but reiterate the point of we have people from different backgrounds, from different stories in yeah. a metaphorical sense. We have Jews and Gentiles who are coming together to form a new family. Let's make sure that we're actually getting to know one another. Let's make sure we're actually building connections. Let's make sure uh, we are, are taking time to, to truly be everyday people also because that, that's part of our vision yeah. is that we don't just want to focus on, on Sunday in the business of maybe performing a service or, or pulling off the function of, of a gathering, but truly reminding that we, we've got to have a level of connection with mm. each other, and I, I argue a high level of connection with each other, yeah. Monday through Saturday. Yeah. And this challenge was levied, was thrown out there so that we could re-emphasize the connection of, of people in our church community Monday through Saturday. Yeah. So, John, what, do, you th- do you think that's a fair challenge? In this, in the season we're at for Generations Church, as someone who's heard me talk <laughs> about this, who, who's in the workings of of ministry, as someone who who's helped me really teach through and process through Colossians one mm-hmm. in the beginning, Colossians two here, is that a is that a fair sense to where we're at? And do you think that that challenge is helpful? Yeah, I I love that challenge because the uniqueness about it is that it it encourages people to get to know someone beyond a Sunday. And it encourages it uh, to go, even to go beyond maybe like the pastoral staff or like the head like leaders or anything, 
Like it's an encouragement to anybody and everybody. You've been coming for two weeks. You've been coming for a couple months. Feel free to go to somebody and say, hey, let's get a meal together. Let's go get coffee, come over to our house for dinner. Sometimes we might not always want to open up our house, but if we're truly a family and we want to expand that family, then we got to be welcoming and almost act as a host to people and say, we want you to be a part of our life, be a part of what Jesus is doing. And we want to hear what Jesus is doing in your Mm -hmm. life. It's so cool when you're able to see how God is at work in many different ways in your community, in different people, how he shaped someone else's life, how he shaped yours. And you can see cool connections. You're saying, wow, we had something in common here. Or even say, wow, you and that person have that in common. Or say, wow, I've never heard a story like that before. And you see God just surprise you. And you see the uniqueness behind people. And that's one of the things why I have such a passion for our community groups. I love it. And it's cool because a shameless little plug, they've started back up this season. And one of the cool things about them is that it doesn't have to be the routine, um, churchy, like let's get together, Bible study kind of thing. I love when that type of stuff happens and there's great moments for that. But even feel free to have a community group that you literally just invite people over and you guys cook some food and play a board game. Where you guys say, hey, each week we're going to, you know, once a month or something, we're just going to take a group. We're going to go hiking. Anyone who likes to do that, you engage with people outside of the normal Sunday uh, gathering. You engage with people in everyday life. Let's be real. Some of us like to go hiking. Some of us like to play golf. I love it. Some of us like to go to lunch, go to different places and eat. Some of us love coffee. Some of us love to do artwork. Like, invite people into that. Because if we're everyday people in God, and we're allowing Jesus to shape our everyday lives, his characteristics, his priorities are shaping everything we do, every aspect of our life, you are still glorifying Jesus mm-hmm. when you're painting a canvas with some people. You're still glorifying Jesus when you're sitting at Mod Pizza having lunch with somebody. You're glorifying Jesus, hopefully, when you're playing golf, even when you have a bad shot, you're, you can kind of breathe and, you know, it's okay. When we invite people into the everyday life and we're able to have those conversations and connections we talk about and be able to point and say, I do everything I do. And the reason why I act the way I do, the talk the way I do, live the way I do is because of Jesus. Mm. It opens the door for those conversations. And there's also that other side of it. People are able to do that same thing to you and encourage you. Mm. You're able to share stories. You're able to say, God's been faithful here. And you're going to go, wow, that's awesome. I really needed to hear that in this season of life. Mm. You know, because there's going to be people who are struggling, uh, maybe uh, through physical pain or a family member struggling. And there might be other people in the church who've gone through something very similar. Well, I got to just, just today, I was sitting at Starbucks and I was talking to, to a gentleman and he was talking about just anxiety that he has, you know, of getting on an airplane. And it was incredible because as I'm sitting at the table, we're talking about this, and another gentleman beside me, uh, a different one, goes, man, I've been there. Like, the same thing happened to me. Like, I, I canceled a trip uh, because of COVID, because of my, my anxiety got so bad. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool because they're sitting there sh- talking about the shared experience in the midst of all that. And then what happens is they talk about 
well, man, this is this is still an issue where, man, how did you get through that? You know, mm. and they go from, well, man, I, I used to take some pills to now it's like, you know, it's you, you start to hear the talk. And at some point what happens is it goes like, man, I just, God has worked in my life and I can get on a plane and I, I don't have, like, there's still mm. a little bit there. But but there's been some change that's occurred, and it's it's because I've identified the problem. I've I've shared it with other people. Like I haven't self medicated, and there, there's been a conversation. There's been connection with other people. One guy even mentioned, he's like, "Man, you can't believe there's a whole online community of people who are like, sweet, I got on a plane and got off, and I survived. <laughs> Yay! Like you know, I, you know, emoji high five. But it's what you see in that moment is conversation, connection." And in the midst of that, there's able to be a little bit of, yeah, this is how God's worked in my life. This is how he's seen some change. And again, while it may not all be perfect, two gentlemen who didn't know each other before this afternoon are able to bond over like stories in their past and even how God has worked. And to see them laugh and a smile go from strangers to now becoming acquaintances. Mm. And our goal at Generations Church is really for strangers to become acquaintances, to become friends, and friends to become family because we want to expand the family of God because of Jesus for generations to come.